Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. It's amazing how things go when... Well, when you really look into things, imagine if we had a truly free press in this country that sought objective fact. Kamala Harris has made much of what Joe Biden said about working with segregationists. Joe Biden didn't embrace segregation. He didn't support racist activities. If he did, it would be quite odd that Obama would pick him, wouldn't it? But that aside, that's... That's, uh, that's an old story, but, but here we have a story from our friends at the Washington Free Beacon. And I've been waiting a little bit to see if other media outlets will pounce on this. You know, MSLSD, CNN, New York Slimes, Washington Compost, usual gaggle of miscreants and malcontents, and not a word. Not a word. Kamala Harris's ancestors owned slaves, her father says. Which raises the question, will she be paying reparations? Now this is from the Washington Free Beacon. Presidential hopeful's Jamaican father wrote that his slave-holding ancestor, about his slave-holding ancestor, Senator Kamala Harris is the descendants of an Irishman who owned a slave plantation in Jamaica, according to his father's lengthy ancestral summary of his side of the family. Donald Harris, a Stanford University economics professor revealed in 2018 that his grandmother was a descendant of Hamilton Brown, the namesake of Brownstown in northern Jamaica. Quote, my roots go back within my lifetime to my paternal grandmother, Miss Chrissy Brown. He wrote in a post for Jamaica Global. I wonder how NBC News missed this. Hamilton Brown built the town's local and uh, Anglican Church, which is where Professor Harris says his grandfather's buried. It's also where he himself was baptized and confirmed. A research archive of Jamaican records indicate that at one point in 1817, Hamilton Brown owned scores of slaves. The majority were brought in from Africa, though he also owned many Creole slaves. The Harris campaign has not commented on her father's claims. It did not respond to requests for comment. NBC News, as you know, reported on Monday that Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell's two great-great-grandfathers owned at least 14 slaves between the two of them in Alabama. The report tied McConnell's ancestry to his position on government reparations for slavery, which he opposes. McConnell responded to the report on Tuesday by comparing his stance to former President Barack Melhouse Benito Obama, who opposed reparations while acknowledging some of his ancestors owned slaves. By the way, I can tell you here now, none of my ancestors owned slaves. In fact, my ancestors were slaves. See the pyramids? Just thought I'd remind you. 
Harris has yet to take a definitive position on reparations for slavery. When the California senator was asked in February whether she supports some form of reparations for black people, she said she did, but was unclear on how exactly it would be paid out. We have to be honest that people in this country do not start from the same place or have access to the same opportunities, Harris said. I'm serious about taking approach that would change policies and structures and make real investments in black communities. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We don't make investments in our cities and other communities, white, black, or otherwise, which is why we are tens of trillions of dollars in debt and hundreds of trillions of dollars in debt and unfunded liabilities. We just don't spend, borrow, or tax enough. And we never will for the left. A few weeks later, she distanced her position from explicit payments to the descendants of slaves, saying she views policies aimed at lifting up the poor, such as her tax credit to low-income families, as reparations. Gee, we've never had tax credits for low-income families. You know that's in place right now? Reagan put it in place? Reagan put that in place. If you look at the reality of who will benefit from certain policies, when you take into account that they are not starting on equal foot, starting on equal, does anybody start on an equal footing? Isn't some person always richer than the next, some person more educated than the next? There's a taller guy, a shorter guy, a fatter guy, a skinnier guy, a smarter guy, a stronger guy. I mean, this is so sickening. What do they think we are? A bunch of mechanically created robots or something? Ignoramuses. And so now, fake tapped out, Don Lemon... Chris Cuomo, the dummy, all the rest of you out there, are you going to ask Kamala Harris about her slave-owning ancestors in Jamaica? No, you're not, are you? Because you're a bunch of frauds, fools, and cowards. Kamala Harris's ancestors, according to the Washington Free Beacon, owned slaves. How come I'm not hearing from Bernie the Red Sanders or Corey Spartacus Booker or any of the others or the legal analysts where's anybody they're nobody nobody's around so I thought I thought I would point that out because I thought that was quite fascinating then we have Chuck Schumer he goes to the floor of the Senate yesterday being the uh, snake oil opportunist that he always is and he's demanding the resignation of the Secretary of Labor now look I don't know what took place in this Epstein case in Miami And I'm not defending anybody. This is a very, very, very serious matter, and we'll see where the chips fall. But the Democrats want to turn a Democrat donor, a sick pedophile, into a Republican problem. They keep bringing up Trump's name. Trump kicked his ass out of Mar-a-Lago. And yet here we have a story, ladies and gentlemen. Chuck Schumer... I wonder if his ancestors owned slaves. Schumer got thousands of donations from Jeffrey Epstein. And so today I am calling on Chuck Schumer to resign. I'm calling on Chuck Schumer to resign. He has more to do with Epstein than McConnell had to do with his great-great-grandfathers. This from the New York Post. Senator Chuck Schumer, who called on Labor Secretary Alexander Acosta to resign and said President Trump should answer for his friendship with Jeffrey Epstein. Look how sick this guy is. 
accepted thousands of dollars in donations from the alleged pedophile throughout the 1990s, the Post has learned. FEC records show that Schumer received seven $1,000 donations from Epstein between 1992 and 97, first as a U.S. congressman from New York, then when he was vying to be the state senator in 1998, an election he won. Epstein, by the way, who gave money to Democrats all over the place and Democrat causes and gave millions to Harvard, gave millions to Harvard. Maybe the entire faculty at Harvard should resign. He also gave $10,000 to Victory in New York, a joint fundraising committee established by Schmucky and the Democrat Senatorial Campaign Committee. Epstein gave an additional $5,000 to Win New York, a Schumer-associated joint committee that benefited the Liberal Party of New York State. Both of Epstein's donations to committee came in October 1998 and looked at primarily benefited the Democrat Senatorial Campaign Committee and the Liberal Party of New York, as Epstein would have already met the $2,000 limit on donating individually to Schumer. In other words, Schumer took thousands from Jeffrey Epstein. Thousands. And now, of course, he previously donated $14,200, the amount donated to his campaigns by accused sexual predator Harvey Weinstein to several charities. So Schumer's taken money from Weinstein, He's taken money from Epstein, all the Steens, Frankenstein, Frankenstein. Schumer takes money from all kinds of sexual predators, perverts. I seem to recall he also defended Bill Jefferson Clinton, BJ. Bill Jefferson Clinton. He took money and he supported BJ Clinton. So that's three strikes. I'll give you four. I told you the other day. Anthony Weiner. Anthony Weiner once worked for Schumer. So Schumer and Weiner. Apparently Schumer liked Weiner at the time. Uh, I don't believe he likes Weiner now. But at the time, he, he was a big fan of Weiner's. He was, he was a, a, a mentor of Weiner. And uh, as I understand it, Weiner learned everything he knew from Schumer. So Weiner... Epstein, Weinstein, and Schumer. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm calling on Chuck Schumer to resign because apparently his very, very, very poor judgment. I don't care how much this money he's given now to charity. He's all, well, I don't know what, all sexual predatored up, if, if I may say. Now let's see who else. Who else is taking? We have a Democratic congresswoman from the Virgin Islands. She took money from Jeffrey Epstein. She said, I'm not giving it back. Now all of a sudden, I'll donate my money to charity. Oh, okay. Anybody else? Yeah. Accused sex trafficker Epstein supported many Boston area causes. Several at Harvard. Oh. Hillsdale College? No. Grove City? No. Have it. Can you imagine that? I'm sure NBC that went to great lengths to dig in the background of Mitch McConnell is going into great lengths to dig into the, all the contributions Epstein gave almost all the Democrats and Democrat causes. I'm sure all the media are, dump, are jumping into looking into this. Again, I'm not prepared to pass judgment on Labor Secretary Acosta. I don't have all the facts. 
Uh, He did his press conference today and made the case. Time will tell. I don't know. For me, it just seems like 13 months with four months, half the time in prison, half the time not. You know, that seems like an awfully light sentence. And if there were a bunch of bureaucrats that signed off on it, me personally, I would have reversed them. I don't know all the details. I don't know all the details. But it's amazing how the Democrats are trying to turn this into a Trump administration scandal. No, this is on them. This is their donor. This is their guy. This is their billionaire. The Palm Peach liberal Democrat billionaire spreading his money around. That's the Epstein story. We'll see what else comes out. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arn argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course, Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, you'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. And if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free. At LevinforHillsdale.com. That's L E V I N for Hillsdale.com. You know, ladies and gentlemen, a couple of things I, I want you to know because you participate in these things. I just got a word literally during the break. We will be on the New York Times bestseller list for seven weeks in a row, number three now. It's really unheard of. You know, Liberty and Tyranny was on the New York Times list for six months, but those days pretty much are over. So we're almost at two months now with 360,000 copies, ebooks, hardcover, so forth sold. And that's quite remarkable. And I want to thank all of you who have participated in this. And we will continue to press this right up and through Election Day because there's so much at stake and the media do need to be exposed. And those of you who've read it and you've left your comments on Amazon and elsewhere, I want to thank you as well. I want to thank you as well. And I hope you'll continue to spread the word. I hope you'll continue to give the book out. I hope you'll continue to, to help promote this, uh, this movement, this force against what's taking place in the media. I see Brian Stelter just signed a book deal, apparently with Simon & Schuster. Uh, he's writing a book about Trump and Fox News. I mean, how ridiculous is that? Trump and Fox News? People are now putting out books that are repetitive about things they've already said. Also, the radio ratings are coming in. I want to thank you. You know, we have the toughest slot in radio, especially on the East Coast, 6 to 9 p.m. And I'll tell you why. We're up against baseball. We're up against all sports. Basketball, when basketball is hot, Hockey when hockey's hot. 
And so we can be preempted or we're competing against a major baseball team and so forth and so on. And still our ratings are very, very strong. In addition, for many, it's dinner time. Dinner time. So it's really appointment radio. We have real competition. We don't have a day part where there's no competition. We have competition with daily life. We have competition with other activities. We have a lot of competition. And yet, and yet, this show is the biggest show at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific in the history of talk radio. And it always has been, thanks to you. And there are ways now to get away or around preemptions. It's called podcasting. I want you to go to my homepage, marklevinshow.com, marklevinshow.com. Right at the top, there's a line of links, features, daily recap, required reading, audio rewind, links, news, and so forth. If you click audio rewind, there's the podcast. Now, Mr. Producer, if somebody wants to hear the podcast on their cell phone, they do the same thing. You can get it on Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. Just type in Mark Levin Show. Google Podcast or Apple Podcast, type in Mark Levin Show. But you can still hit my homepage on your iPhone or whatever handheld device you have, right? You can hit Audio Rewind. So there are many ways to hear the podcast. You can use the Mark Levin app and download that. So we have provided many opportunities for you to listen to this show. Many. We have wonderful radio affiliates, too. I mean, we're trying in every way possible to ensure that you have access to the programming here. And none of it costs anything to you. And so I want to encourage you, you can go again to my uh, homepage, which is marklevinshow.com. Hit the audio rewind. Or you go to... uh, Apple Podcast or Google Podcast, and you type in The Mark Levin Show. That way you program your own listening activity and entertainment. And I want to, I, I don't talk about it enough. You got these podcasters who are pushing it endlessly, pushing, but I never ever talk about it. And yet we have one of the biggest podcasts in conservative radio. Anyway, lots more. Remember the emoluments clause? Remember what that was? Remember that was all over the media? How they're going to get Trump because of the Trump hoax? Remember all that? I've got an update for you. You're not going to want to miss it. I'll be right back. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty, with more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S, dot hillsdale, dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. Is that a copy of the Constitution you've got? Are you just happy to see Mark Levin? Call him now at 877-381-3811. So we're working on a number of exciting new things. We're going to push our social media presence right to the edge. And a number of ideas that we're working on. We have a wonderful radio webpage. If you look at marklevinshow.com, it is a great webpage. It really is spiffy. And I think think you'll like that if you never visit it. You might want to check it out from time to time. Bookmark it. As I say, we have our audio rewind. It's a perfect example. Let's say you miss the show. It's preempted or you're busy or whatever. You go on there, you hit the audio rewind, and there's your podcast. Or as I said before... Go to Apple Podcast or Google Podcast. Really just type in my name, Mark Levin, and the radio program's available there. It's available live also, right, Mr. Producer? So you can listen to it live or you can listen to past uh, programs as well. And I've been derelict in not explaining this. So uh, we're just, we, you know, I, this program, I, make, I want this program for you. There's a lot of intermediaries, and we greatly appreciate them, affiliates and so forth, but there's a lot of ways to listen to this program. And to me, the more the merrier. You have some hosts who don't want to do satellite because they want to drive up the radio ratings, or you have some hosts who charge you to get into a membership system in order to hear their podcast. I don't want to do any of that stuff. And I never have, which is why I think this program has been so successful with my audience. I don't take advantage of you. If you want to buy the book, great. But you're not required to buy it to get into this door and that door and the other door. You're not required to buy anything to listen to the podcast. You're not required to buy anything to listen to uh, our program on terrestrial. Now, satellite, of course, is subscription-based. But beyond that, there's nothing else to buy. You can listen to a 1,000 programs. Now, you have options. And uh, my view is you treat your audience with respect. You provide a program that demonstrates that you're working hard during the day to, to give really something substantive worth your time listening. And look, in, particularly in my time slot, there's a thousand other things you can be doing, right? And I want to get to this emoluments clause. You and I have talked about this. I've talked about it on radio. I've talked about it on Fox. I've talked about it on my Levin TV program. There was never any case here, ever. And I want to read some of this to you. I think it's fascinating, which underscores all the arguments I made, which also proves that this Obama judge at the district court trial level who first took the case was a complete hack for Obama and Democrats. Now, this is from the Washington Compost by Ann E. Maramow and Jonathan O'Connell. I don't know why it takes two reporters to write this story, but apparently it does. A federal appellate court today sided with President Trump. No, a federal appellate court today applied the Constitution. Dismissing a lawsuit claiming the president is illegally profiting from foreign and state government visitors at his luxury hotel in downtown Washington. 
you won't hear much about this today. You'll hear a couple of hits, and that'll be it. But this was a story that went on and on and on and on. Remember? The unanimous ruling from the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit. Did I say unanimous? Is a victory for the president. It's not just a victory for the president. That it certainly is. It's a victory for constitutionalists. In a novel case, it wasn't a novel case. It was a frivolous case. Brought by the Attorneys General of Maryland and the District of Columbia. Involving anti-corruption provisions in the emoluments clauses of the U.S. Constitution. In its ruling, the three-judge panel said the attorneys general lacked legal standing to bring the lawsuit. Did I not say this, Mr. Producer? They had no standing to bring the case in the first place. Let's say the president of the United States, let's pretend it's Barack Milhouse Benito Obama. Let's say it's Obama, and Obama's on the take, and he's taking money from foreign governments, and they're washing it through a hotel in Washington, D.C. Still, the state of Maryland and the District of Columbia have no standing. What's their standing? Ball, he's violating the Constitution. But they don't have the power to bring the case. They lack legal standing to bring the lawsuit alleging the president is violating the Constitution, when his business accepts payments from state and foreign governments. Listen to how slimeball this, this reporting is. His business didn't accept payments from state and foreign governments. It's a hotel. It's a public place. It's open for business for all comers, domestic and foreign, all races, all religions, all ethnicities. That's the kind of people who come to hotels. Marriott, Hilton, Four Seasons, you name it. So it's not foreign government payments to his business. The decisions from judges Paul Niemeyer, Dennis Shedd, and Marvin Quattlebaum also stops dozens, listen, stops dozens of subpoenas to federal government agencies and Trump's private business entities for financial records related to the D.C. hotel. You see that federal district Obama judge? He allowed all those subpoenas to go through. The circuit court said no. The district in Maryland's interest in enforcing the emoluments clauses is so attenuated and abstract that their prosecution of this case readily provokes the question of whether this action against the president is an appropriate use of the court's which were created to resolve real cases and controversies between the parties, Niedermeyer wrote in his 36-page opinion. I mean, they're slapping down the plaintiffs. They're slapping down the lower court. Maryland Attorney General Brian Frosch and D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine, both Democrats, said they will consider appealing for a rehearing by a full panel of the Fourth Circuit. Would not be surprised to see the case reach the Supreme Court. I could be wrong, of course. I don't think the Supreme Court would take this case. It's utterly frivolous. Not only is there no standing, there's no substance. The President of the United States is not on the payroll of a federal government. He's not receiving payments from, excuse me, a foreign government. He's not receiving payments from a foreign government in order to try and influence them. He's not receiving any kind of title from a foreign government. It's a hotel. Now, I get furious about this because it's all intended 
by the Democrats, whether they're wearing black robes, whether they're state attorneys general, whether they're in Congress, whatever they are in the media, it's all an attempt to throw the law out the window, tradition out the window to try and get one man, just like the New York legislature and that clown Cuomo. Which one? Well, they're both clowns. They're all clowns. Signing in the law, a law that deals with a single citizen, Donald Trump, citizen of New York, for the purpose of getting around the federal constitution, if they can, and to give the Democrats in Congress the president's tax returns. You see any outrage on CNN or MSNBC? No, you see celebration. How about the editorial page of the New York Slimes or the Washington Compost? Of course not. Think about if this was done to Kamala Harris or Barack Obama or Chuck Schumer or Nancy Pelosi. Think about it. And so you have Trump, who's a very wealthy man as a result of everything he's done in the private sector over decades. And he comes into office and they're trying to destroy him and his family and his businesses. And yet we have politicians who come into office relatively poor, and then when they get out of office, they become exceedingly rich. In other words, they're selling their time in government. They're selling their names. They're profiting from being politicians. Not Trump. It seems to me those who are profiting from having been politicians and then getting back and running for office again, which is exactly what Hillary did, exactly what Biden is doing, it's they're the ones who ought to be under a microscope. Not a president who made his fortune before he became president. Reuters. Former U.S. Vice President Joe Biden and his wife Jill earned more than $15 million in the two years after Biden left government in early 2017, according to tax records released by his campaign on Tuesday. Now think about that. $15 million in two years while he's plotting to run for president. Al Gore... Dumb as a slug. 150 to 200 million dollars since he's been vice president. The Obamas, by my calculation, about 150 million dollars already, maybe 200 million dollars. It pays to be a democratic socialist. The Clintons, a quarter of a billion dollars. What the hell did they create, any of them, since they were in office? And nobody cares. The majority of their income came from speaking engagements and payments for two books written by Biden, a top contender for the 2020 Democratic presidential nomination. Uh, I want my publisher to know. And all the publishers out there, you're paying these people a fortune. Nobody's read Joe Biden's books. You know what? I'm getting paid too little to write my books, Mr. Producer. Not that I need the money. But I spend an enormous amount of time writing books. Joe Biden not only doesn't write books, he doesn't read books. He's dumb as a doorknob. According to federal and state tax returns, the Bidens earned about $11 million in 2017 and $4.6 million in 2018. About $13.2 million of that was attributable to book payments. This is why publishers are going broke. Biden earned more than 775000 Listen to this. Biden earned more than $775,000 in salary as a professor at the University of Pennsylvania in 2017 and 2018. 
Do you see the kind of money these universities are paying these people, Mr. Producer? $775,000 in salary as a professor for two years. University of Pennsylvania, this guy is a clown. You want to know why Congress never looks into the spending of universities and colleges, the cost of tuition? This is why. Because these people want to make a fortune after they retire. There's another reason why. They're the indoctrination mills. They don't want to touch them. Same reason they won't touch the trial lawyers, who are the biggest contributors to the Democrat Party. You never hear anybody talk about trial lawyers. You never hear them talk about what's going on with tuition. Instead, it's let's give them free college. Can you imagine? Let's give them a complete wipeout of their loans. It's never, why are these universities charging so damn much for a basic education? They don't want to know. The form shows that Biden, who likes to refer to himself as middle-class Joe, was regularly paid a six-figure fee for speaking events, many at private universities such as Drew University, where he was paid $190,000. And Vanderbilt University, where he received $180,000. Last October, Biden received $182,679 for speaking at the Economic Club of Southwest Michigan. Most of Biden's book events and speaking events took place at theaters and auditoriums, but two events were handled through Creative Artists Agency's Premium Experience which specializes in corporate hospitality events. And for one of their book tour events in 2017, Biden was paid $234,000. You know how much I was paid for my book signings, Mr. Producer? Zero. You know how much I asked to do to get paid for my book signings? Zero. Zero. And this is the man of the people. I wonder if his family ever owned slaves. I wonder if NBC is going to check Joe Biden and Joe Biden, excuse me, Dr. Joe Biden's background and see if the Biden family way, way back when was a slave-owning family. I mean, if Kamala Harris's family was, anything's possible, right? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions, locked in the grip of political correctness. They no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission— to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. Now, as Hillsdale celebrates its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. 
These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, this is Hillsdale College. And let me add, I think so much of Hillsdale College. I donated an original copy of a compilation of the Federalist Papers, which sit today as I speak at the Kirby Center. Hillsdale College, America's College. So we have a billionaire, a Democrat out of Palm Palm Beach, who uh, was spreading money around in the Democrat Party, including the Schumer, among others. And apparently it's a Republican problem. That's how the media spin this stuff. Apparently it's a Trump problem. And the arrogance of Schumer, he goes to the Senate floor. We, we want to know what, uh, what, what Trump knew 15 years ago when 20 years ago he was taking money hand over fist from the same guy. Schumer's a sleazeball. I've been exposing this guy for 15 years when I started in New York radio he's never wanted to come on this program has he Mr. Producer he's a coward absolute coward fraud and so I'm calling on Schumer to resign because he took thousands and thousands of dollars from Jeffrey Epstein so did his various uh, organizations he took thousands and thousands of dollars from uh Weinstein. At one point, as I recall, he employed uh, Anthony Weiner. I mean, this guy Schumer doesn't have very good judgment, does he? Weiner, Weinstein, Feinstein, Epstein, whatever. Oh, so you've learned a lot this hour, I think. If you're a hardworking American, you haven't had time to really track a lot of these things. Kamala Harris's ancestors, according to her father, owned slaves in the in Jamaica. And so I guess Kamala Harris will be paying reparations, along with Barack Mailhouse Benito Obama. I've asked NBC, that's gotten very good at looking at the background of Republicans, to look at the background of Joe Biden and see if he or his lovely wife, Dr. Joe Biden, uh, whether any of their families ever owned slaves. Matter of fact, I think NBC ought to figure out whether any of their executives' families ever owned slaves. Maybe they ought to check ABC and CBS MSNBC and CNN, all the other clowns in the media clown show, and tell us if any of the anchors, any of the hosts, whether their families ever owned slaves. That would be very important to know, I think. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, John Berman is a CNN host. Is this the guy that used to do sports, or is that a different Berman, Mr. Producer? 
different one. That's what I thought. This John Berman is as dumb as they come, as are most of the hosts uh, hired by CNN. You have to have a very low IQ over there in order to work there. And Tucker Carlson uh, made an observation quite similar to an observation I made on this radio program earlier in the evening before his 8 p.m. show. And they just trashed the hell out of him. Now, I don't know Tucker well. We've texted over time. Um, I really I don't know him that well. Um, he's never really done anything for me. I've never really done anything for him. But right is right and wrong is wrong. And what this crowd at CNN tried to do is really quite despicable. And so we're going to listen to this for a minute 30. So I can properly set this up for you. I wouldn't normally do this. But this is so bad, I felt like I had to. So it starts with this guy, John Berman. Then they... They play a truncated, a cherry-picked clip out of Carlson's show. They go back to Berman, and then they go to somebody by the name of Biana Goladriga. Goladriga? Excuse me. Cut one, go. I don't necessarily like to be the media watchdog um, for our competitors, but something remarkable happened overnight, perhaps, while you were sleeping, which is that Tucker Carlson... All right, stop. Why would you be sleeping at 8 p.m.? So the guy's a clown to begin with. That's 8 p.m. on the East Coast, 5 p.m. on the West Coast. You wouldn't be sleeping. So he thinks he's being clever. Now, keep in mind, nobody watches this show. I'm just exposing what goes on in the underbelly of the media. So let's go from the top again. Cut one, go. I don't necessarily like to be the media watchdog um, for our competitors, but something remarkable happened overnight, perhaps while you were sleeping, which is that Tucker Carlson... Suggested, didn't suggest, he flat out said that a sitting member of the U.S. Congress should never have been allowed in the United States. Listen to this. Yohan Omar is living proof that the way we practice immigration has become dangerous to this country. So be grateful for Yohan Omar, annoying as she is. She's a living fire alarm, a warning to the rest of us that we better change our immigration system immediately or else. Now stop right there. Keep a few things in mind about Yohan Omar. She is a rabid anti-Semite. Rabid anti-Semite. She hates this country. She doesn't just have different views than other people. She hates this country. Her rather short political career in public visibility is loaded with statements proving the point. Proving the point, overwhelmingly so. So watch Berman and CNN and others are now going to come to her defense as a way of attacking Carlson. Go ahead. Bianca Goldriga, uh, at this table, you are an immigrant to the United States. A political refugee. A political refugee. When you hear Tucker Carlson saying, we got to change our immigration system. If there are people who come to the United States who aren't grateful, who criticize perhaps. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who aren't great. Why should people be allowed into this country who are who are ingrates? Do people understand what immigration is all about? We get to choose. I know this is an amazing point, isn't it? We, the American people, we run this country. We own this country. And if you're bringing people into the country who hate the country and hate the American people, that is, are ingrates or ungrateful. That's national suicide. 
And throughout our history, we've required people to come into this country who demonstrate their love and allegiance to this country. Does John Berman know this? Of course he doesn't know this. He's a certified idiot. And I don't care who Biana Goladraga is, if she was a political refugee or not. She's not an expert, expert on this subject, and she wasn't invited to be an expert on this subject. She was invited to be on the show because she could lend emotion to the topic. Go ahead. Don't deserve to be here. He also went on to say perhaps there are entire countries of people we shouldn't allow in. Instead of celebrating what this country can can do, right? We, what, Excuse me, lady. We do celebrate what this country can do. We celebrate this country all the time. We're patriots. We're Americans. Some are newly in this country, legally, immigrants. Some are many generations in this country. We celebrate this country, unlike the left. Unlike Omar. That's the point. How many American-hating anti-Semites can a country assimilate? Go ahead. Just a few years after immigrating here as a political refugee, one could be a member of Congress and, and, and differ with her on issues that you don't agree with It's not with a matter of differing with her on issues that we don't agree on. That's perfectly fine. She can be a liberal. Somebody can be a conservative. You have a debate. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a loathsome individual who despises other humans in this country, who despises the country. That's what we're talking about. It's never been the policy of the United States of America. Never, ever, from day one up till now, I guess, to invite people into this country or allow people in this country who hate the country. It's not a matter of disagreeing on ideas. People know who Omar is. Why? Because the media have been celebrating her. The media have been defending her, starting with the New York Times and, and CNN. She's indefensible. The things that she says are indefensible. Go ahead. But to attack her system of coming into the country and saying that people like her should not be here instead of being celebrated as an achievement. People like her shouldn't be here. Not because of her faith, not because of her country of origin, in my view. People like her, what's between her ears, what comes out of her mouth. Again, not talking about people who disagree, but if people have utter contempt for our society, for our system, and want to see it destroyed and turned inside out, then what do you have? Eventually you have Rome. And what did Rome eventually have? The destruction of Rome from within. So of course we get to make choices. Of course we get to make selections. That's the way immigration used to be. Go ahead. What a special country this is that you can achieve as an immigrant family running away and leaving a life of fear in another country. Running away, leaving a life of fear in another country, coming into this country and trashing this country left and right each and every day. There's something wrong with an immigration system that allows this, ladies and gentlemen. I don't give two craps what CNN thinks or what this lady thinks or John Berman or the rest of them. We are a beneficent people. We are a wonderful people. We open our arms to people from all over the world. 
all over the world. Even though the left has tried to create this lie, this myth, that the President of the United States tried to prevent Muslims from coming into America. Because he specifically pointed to countries that are at civil war or a terrorist threat to this nation. And specifically excluded countries that have the vast majority of Muslims in the world. Facts don't matter to the left. We open our arms. So if you argue for legal immigration, if you argue for merit-based immigration, if you argue about really making sure that people who seek asylum are real refugees and so forth, they demand open borders. They demand open borders. And there's lots of Americans... Muslims, Jews, Christians, black, white, yellow, red, brown, who wonder how somebody can come into this country as a child and have such hate for this country. And no, we're not going to ignore it. There's something wrong with an immigration system that permits that. And that's what Tucker Carlson was saying. And on this, he's right. Then Allison Camerata, who used to work at Fox, well, she reversed course very, very quickly. Because now she works at CNN. Cut to go. Uh, this is, you know, Fox's bread and butter. And so uh, now, and so now you see Fox is racist. But not Allison Camerata. No, 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 no. She's the Mother Teresa of CNN, helping the poor, going into poor neighborhoods. You should see, you don't know, when she's not on CNN, she is out there doing her thing. She's the greatest social activist you'll ever see, ever. She's unbelievable, this Allison Camerata. No, she's a fraud, actually. All the racists, Allison, are at CNN. All the racists who push their stereotypes, they're at CNN. Well, not all of them. Some of them are at MSNBC. Go ahead. Uh, This is, you know, Fox's bread and butter um, at night in their primetime stuff. There's always outrage. There's always fear-mongering. This is amazing. You know what, Allison Camerata? I have no respect for you anymore. You're a clown. Like this guy Berman. You people are dangerous. You're unhinged. Language that you like to use against people who disagree with you. You have surrendered any notion of journalism whatsoever. Just disgusting. This is why you have no ratings. I have a 10 p.m. show on Sunday. I have higher ratings than this show. Almost twice as high. Think about that. They're basically talking to themselves. Or to the inmates in one sane asylum or another. I'll be right back. Lovin.
If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. So Errol Lewis is brought in CNN, and of course we need to hear from Errol Lewis. Remember, he's a local news anchor in New York. Let's hear what genius this man spews. Cut three, go. We know that there are lots of young girls who are watching the women's uh, soccer team, and they're being inspired, and they're going to sort of uh, change the world. Uh, there are a lot of inspired people- to do what? I don't understand. Change the world? How? Change the world, ladies and gentlemen. They're going to change the world. In other words, leftists. Go ahead. Been one of them as a kid who saw all kinds of racist garbage coming out over the airwaves. You know, people like Tucker Carlson. And it was one of the things. All right, that- well, 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 okay. uh, wait a minute. This kind of defamation is outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. So now Tucker Carlson is a racist. And what he said is racist garbage. This is outrageous. It's Omar who is the rabid anti-Semite that this guy, Errol, apparently a new local news anchor, doesn't talk about. This is sick. And CNN brings this fool, this Errol Lewis, on its airwaves to spew his defamatory statements. Maybe he's the racist. Go ahead me to, to get into this business to try and drive away the vestiges of that garbage i mean on, on talk radio uh, in, in particular you heard it for years and years and years just spewing this kind of garbage and that i mean it's 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 stuff like that so talk radio, it's stuff like that it's talk radio you know so basically what they're saying is in their typical autocratic mindset you either agree with us you either spew what we spew you either Agree with what we say in our newsrooms, uniformity of thought, group think, pack mentality, or you're a racist, you need to be removed from the airwaves, don't listen to talk radio, don't listen to Fox, they're dangerous, on and on and on. Exactly what I wrote in Unfreedom of the Press. So talk radio has to go, Fox has to go, especially the primetime lineup. Because they're spewing hate, garbage, racism. Ladies and gentlemen, we're spewing nothing but human liberty, human free will, a just rule of law, constitutional republicanism, a free economy, a secure nation, 
And that, to this clown, Errol Lewis, newsman, is racism. Is racism. No country brings people into their country who hate their country, not just have a disagreement on opinions. Or brings people into the country who are anti-Semites. Notice this newsman, the clown, Errol Lewis, doesn't comment on any of this. Notice this clown, Alison Camerata, the newswoman, she doesn't comment on any of this. Notice John Berman, another low IQ clown, newsman, he doesn't comment on any of this. Who is Omar? What has she said? What is her background? Not a word. Nothing. Sick. Go ahead. Things like what he said last night are going to be said all over the airwaves all day, mm-hmm. t- uh, today and tomorrow and the next day. And it's a wake-up call. It is an alarm uh, to, to the rest of us that we need to train young people, get them into the media, get them into broadcasting, and, and do away with that stuff so it'll just be a bad uh, memory. Pal, like pal, you already do. You already do. You already brainwash people who are in the media, hard left the entire first chapter of unfreedom of the press, for those of you who care. Chapter and verse, you might say. They already control the media, the vast majority of it. They already control newsrooms and editorial boards. But you cannot have a Fox or talk radio, you see, because they're racist. In other words, anyone who disagrees with them is racist. How do we know? Because Earl Lewis says so. Who's Earl Lewis? He's nobody. It's a local newsman. Part of the pack. The ideological monopoly that is the America media. I'll be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day, with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. Mark Levin, a champion of freedom. You know, you're one of the greatest champions of freedom in this country, if not in the English-speaking world, Mark. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. See how I defend people because I think they say and do the right thing, and then I think they're put upon by 
people who don't. None of these people have ever, ever defended me. You remember over two years ago, Mr. Producer, when I came under attack? Not one of them defended me, the ones I'm defending now, but I'm going to continue to defend him. My buddy Mort Klein, who runs uh, ZOA, Outstanding Organization, Zionists of America. I'm sure uh, Ilhan Omar would love the organization. He says that the Anti-Defamation League, which is run by this Clinton hack leftist Greenblatt, condemns segment where Fox's Tucker Carlson appropriately attacks Israelophobic anti-Semite representative Omar. Carlson points out we should better vet immigrants lest we get more like America hating Omar. Greenblatt has praised Omar's deep commitment to improving the world. This is why CNN did the segment. Media Matters is pushing it. So it gets out in the media. Then there's a controversy. Then they try and boycott the, the advertising. I see it building even before it's there. I see it. My own two eyes. They want to make sure that there's no free speech and no freedom of the press. CNN, you are the enemy of the people. The president's right. You're the enemy of the people. Enemy of the people. You're not the friend of the people. You're not a true press operation. We know exactly who you are and what you are. A band of left-wing radical kooks. And paid very handsomely for it. And Mort Klein at ZOA is exactly right. Carlson on this point is exactly right. We don't open our doors to the world's Jew haters. We don't open our doors to the world's anti-Semites or the world's racists or anything like that. Or we shouldn't. Why would we do that? We don't open our doors to people who hate our country. The country wouldn't survive. The point of immigration is not for the immigrant. The point of immigration is for the country. Will it improve the country? That's the reason for immigration. And, of course, it doesn't matter to CNN. They might as well be playing on the women's uh, championship soccer team. Another group of America haters. Oh, no, no, you don't understand. And they're waving the American flag while trashing our history. It's incredible. Waving the American flag while trashing our history. The Anti-Defamation League defends an anti-Semite. It's incredible. Because it's run by an Obama hack. An Obama hack. What President Trump says, when he says the following, America will never be a socialist country. He couldn't be more right, I hope. That's why it's so troubling that a proposal from the Department of Health and Human Services would move us in the direction of a socialist country. The International Drug Pricing Index. Remember, we're supposed to hate globalism. The International Price Index, the Drug Pricing Index would adopt socialist price controls set by foreign countries. Today, Americans get access to cutting-edge therapies for diseases like cancer nearly two years before other countries. And the future holds incredible promise for fighting diseases, 
really tough diseases. The HHS proposal would cripple America's world-leading medical innovation. We would have fewer new cures and they'd be harder to obtain. We should control costs with market-based reforms by fostering competition and by making other countries pay their fair share, not with socialist price controls. Keep America great by keeping American medical innovation great. I want you to visit protectmypartb.com. That's protectmypartb.com. Protectmypartb.com. Paid for by Americans for Tax Reform, which is an outstanding organization. It's a great organization. Now we have uh, Carl Bernstein. Carl Bernstein is uh, a slob. Look at him on TV, slouching. He's about 60 pounds overweight, can barely tie his tie. He's sweating. This guy's faked his way through journalism for decades. He basically was the sidekick to Woodward. Whatever you think of Woodward, he was the main uh, reporter during a white, uh, Watergate as he was receiving uh, information from the deputy director of the FBI. All of us could be journalists. You know what? I'm up. What a... This guy's an unbelievable journalist. No, he wasn't. But Bernstein was even worse. It's a slob. Slob in his personal life and a slob on TV. May I say with all due respect. And uh, CNN, you know, CNN is worse than MSLSD because at least at MSLSD, you know what you're dealing with. They don't hide it. They don't hide it. You got freaks like Chris Matthews and and fools like Rachel Maddow, conspiracy nuts. You got reprobates like Sharpton. You've got all kinds of, uh, you know, it's, it's a real conga line of, uh, of nut jobs there. CNN pretends to be a news operation. They pretend to be a news operation. They're not a news operation. They're part of the Democrat Party. Carl Bernstein has faked his way all through this career. What does he have to say that's so compelling? Cut four, go. Look, this cold civil war predates Donald Trump. And Donald Trump understood that we're in a cold civil war in this country. And he has exploited it and brought this cold civil war almost to the point of ignition through his actions and his words, which are unprecedented in terms of presidential What is this conduct. slob slobbering on about? uh, He's almost brought a a point of ignition through his actions and his... What actions? What actions, you idiot? What actions? Go ahead. The United States in 246 years has expressed the kinds of ideas and thoughts and undemocratic notions and authoritarian notions that he has. We need to start... Another idiot. Another illiterate buffoon on TV. This is incredible to me. Incredible to me. No president. Kinds of ideas and thoughts and undemocratic notions and authoritarian notions. Really? How nuts is this? Tell me, what is exactly, what has Donald Trump done that's been authoritarian? Had tanks and jets at the 4th of July celebration? John Kennedy had that at his inauguration. What, what is it? What's this authoritarianism now? 
Barack Obama issuing one fiat after another. You know, the president can't do this stuff on his own, and then he does it. Franklin Roosevelt. Woodrow Wilson. What what is this clown talking about? Nothing. He's an ignoramus. Go ahead. These dots. What do people in the country think of this and why do they think and support him? Uh, No matter what he does, no matter how. Please, America, please agree with me, Carl Bernstein. How can you not agree with me? How I'm I'm so right. I'm so righteous. I'm so I'm so brilliant. I'm how can you not agree with me? I'm Carl Bernstein or is it Stein? I'm Carl Bernstein Stein. Yes, I really am. You can't agree with me. Instead, you support this president. There's something wrong with you. We need to examine you. Go ahead. Outrageous, seemingly, his conduct is. We've got some real reporting to do. uh, We need to make our table bigger in terms of our repertorial landscape and get out of the political weeds. What is this? It weeds. It sounds like you're smoking it, bro. Well, what is with this guy? We we get some real reporting to do. Yeah, that would be a, a change. So they dragged this useless dinosaur on CNN, like so many, to make an outrageous political statement that's not even coherent. It's not even coherent. I wonder if his ancestors ever uh, owned slaves. No, it can't, can't be. That's not possible. We're certainly not going to look. But I do think that's interesting. I do think we should look at every host, every anchor, every paid guest, contributor, and see if their background includes uh, ancestors who own slaves. NBC started this. I think we ought to look at every member of Congress, including the Democrats, to see if any of them have ever owned slaves. I mean, if we're going to pay reparations, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to need to know this anyway, aren't we? We're going to look, I gave you my proposal. It's been stolen by others, but I gave you my proposal, which is the Democratic Party should pay reparations. And I noticed this clown. What is the head of the uh, soccer? What's her name again? Rapino. I noticed Rapino's a Democrat. The irony. The irony. She's a Democrat. She's a big mouth of a Democrat party that pushed slavery and segregation and all the rest. No, it's better to trash the country generally, don't you know? Democrat Party should be paying reparations. But whomever, the, the fact is we're going to have to figure this out. We have to figure out who were the families that owned slaves. And so I think we start with, you know, Wolf Blitzer, Jake Tapper, Don Lemon, Chris Cuomo, he's suspect, uh, Camarada, Berman, this clown, Bernstein, you never know. People marry, in and out of marry, you, you don't know. I want to know how many of the anchors and hosts and paid contributors at CNN and MSNBC, how many of their great-great-great-grandfathers or great-great-great-grandmothers own slaves. This is very important. I also think we ought to know all the politicians running. According to the Free Beacon, we already know that according to Kamala Harris's father, her great-great-great-whatever owned slaves in Jamaica. 
Kamala. Kamala needs to pay reparations. Correct? Correct. This is the insanity of the left, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't agree with them, you're a racist, you're mentally ill, there's something wrong with you, you must be authoritarian and all the rest. This is where we are. And who is it that I'm confronting on this program? The media. Every one of these people that I'm talking about right now is on some media platform or comes out of some newsroom in this country. I'm not even debating Democrats. That is, political Democrats, politicians. I'm debating Democrat Party hosts, Democrat Party journalists, Democrat Party anchors, Democrat Party guests that are in the press. This is the press. This is the press. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. Identity politics and lack of assimilation is killing the country. Oh, and the media. Did I mention the media? More and more. You've heard, I've spent an hour on this now, you've heard the enemy of the people. The president is exactly right. The president's been right about a lot, hasn't he? He's been way ahead. I mean, every day goes by, I know the never-Trumpers have trouble swallowing this. He's more and more impressive to me. He just is. This idiot, this Megan, this soccer clown, she deserves her victory. Running around, and the Republicans, even on TV, they're so fearful of criticizing her. Criticize her every day, all day long. Like I said, what they say about the golfer, oh, they're chasing a little white ball around. What did she do? She chased a ball around. Kicked it this way, kicked it that way, ran up and down and up and down the field, all, all around, colored her hair purple. She tells us her sexual preference. Did anyone ask? No, it doesn't matter. Trashes the president, trashes the country, claims, however, that she's the patriot, only will appear with Democrat politicians, and I'm supposed to celebrate her? She's a soccer clown. Demand letters from the IRS are hitting the mail. Now, if you owe back taxes, you may be receiving one soon. And when it arrives, you'll have questions like, is it true that the IRS can garnish my paycheck? Can the IRS really take my home and bank accounts? And can they get my retirement saving? Yes. 
The IRS can do that and a hell of a lot more. But there is a way out. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative, an official government program for tax debt assistance. And nobody knows more about the Fresh Start Initiative than the award-winning experts at Optima Tax Relief. Optima's mission is to stand between you and the IRS, fighting to help protect your paycheck and assets and helping you get the best deal possible. But don't delay, because the IRS can tack on hefty penalties and interest every day. Call Optima Tax now and get your free consultation. Free consultation while you still have options. Call 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. That's 800-499-6300. Some restrictions apply. So for complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Where's that song? Did you kill it already? It's gone. We have an order. It's not so easy to bring them back up. All right. Let's take a call. Mr. Producer, any liberals calling? Our dear Barbara from Harlem. Barbara, how are you? I am wonderful, and I'm enjoying every moment of your talk. And I'm, congratulations. Your book is, deserves to be on the bestseller list. You, well, you're, you're very, very kind. You're very kind. Yes. Thank you. Yes. But all of this, these, you know what, Mark? Now, Bar- Barbara, Barbara, we've known each other long. You're a lovely, lovely human being. Thank and, you so much. And you happen to be an African-American. I happen to be an olive skin American. That's right. We're friends. What do they call me? What do they call me? Because I agree with Tucker Carlson. I was just going to say, are you a white supremacist? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I am. I'm in black skin, though. <laughs> you don't agree with Errol, uh, what's his name? Uh, Tucker Carlson is correct, and I, I think that Carl Bernstein is a nut. <laughs> I mean, he's well, a total yeah. nut. Well, as Joe Biden would say, four letters, N-U-T. <laughs> you, four, four letters. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> Barbara, we love you, Barbara. I'm sorry. The music means I have to go. Call again and call sooner and call earlier in the program. And God bless you, my friend. Barbara's been with me from the beginning. I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. We have a friend, my friend, special guest, hasn't been on the program for a while. Georgetown Law School professor Randy Barnett. How are you? I'm terrific, Mark. We haven't seen each other since that great speech you gave at Trump Hotel. Um, I think it was last fall. Wow, that's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. last fall, I guess. Um, yeah. I'll tell you why I wanted you on. There's no better expert on this whole Obamacare disaster than you. But something <laughs> fascinating is happening. Tell the American yeah. people what's happening. It's very interesting. It is technical. I will try to make it as simple as possible. Um, as everybody knows, the Obama Medicare a, a, a bill, which we challenged um, on the grounds that the individual insurance mandate was unconstitutional, 
uh, we ended up winning and losing. We won when Judge, Judge Ro- Justice Roberts sided with the four conservatives and said that the individual mandate is indeed unconstitutional. Congress doesn't have the power to make you do business with a private company like that. No purchase mandates. But on the other hand, he then sided with the liberals by saying that he could adopt a saving construction of the law, which would treat the penalty uh, to enforce the requirement as a tax. And because that penalty was low enough to not be coercive, everyone basically had a choice between buying insurance or paying this penalty. And therefore, the entire provision as a whole could be treated as a tax. And that was because of that, he upheld the whole bill. So that's where we stood as of 2012. And then in 2017, uh, the Republican Congress uh, zeroed out the penalty. So it basically set that penalty to zero. Um, And what a number of states then did, um, state attorneys general then did, and some private parties, was challenge Obamacare on the grounds that Roberts's saving construction that construed the uh, basically what we'll call Section 5000A as a as a tax um, can't be doesn't qualify as a tax anymore because one of the principal elements to define a tax is that it raises revenue for the government. Well, let's slow down. So let's let's circle back. So the penalty is gone. The individual mandate's gone. The the penalty is set as zero. Okay, so he said, well, that's not really a penalty. I'll call it a tax. Right. And that saves it. But now the penalty's gone, so he can't even right. call it a tax. He can call that's it a kumquat if he wants, but there's nothing right. there now. Right. Well, that's the point. The point is that it's no longer possible to construe Section 5000 as a tax when it raises no money for the Treasury. And therefore, all we're left with, according to the challengers, all we're left with is the unconstitutional mandate, the mandate that five justices said was beyond Congress's power to reach. And therefore... We're left with the unconstitutional mandate, which then they argue cannot be severed from the rest of Obamacare and Obamacare must be struck down in its entirety. Now, this is being argued in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, correct? Correct. The, the challengers, uh, the state of Texas and some other Texas, some other states challenged this in the district court. They won in the district court uh, and Judge O'Connor in the district court upheld their challenge completely, said both. They were right about the, uh, the, uh, the mandate no longer being a tax, and they were right about it not being severable from the rest of the act. And now it's gone to the Fifth Circuit, and, and yesterday morning or yesterday afternoon uh, was oral argument in front of a three-judge panel in the Fifth Circuit. And according to observers, and uh, I believe you've been observing from afar, uh, at least two on the panel are extremely sympathetic to the argument of the state of Texas and these other states. That's the way it looked. I wasn't there, but I did listen to the whole oral, argu- uh, oral argument on uh, the recording of it today. Um, it certainly seemed that they were sympathetic to that argument and they were skeptical of the government's argument. Um, there was a third judge on the panel. Now, there's two, the three judges on the panel are Elrod, Englehart, and King. Uh, judge Elrod is a uh, George W. Bush appointee. Judge Englehart is a Trump appointee. They were the ones that talked and they were the ones that were Uh, sympathetic to the challenge and skeptical of the government is what it sounded like. Um, And Judge King is a Carter appointee. And so far as I can tell, Judge King asked no questions at all. So we have no sense of where Judge King is. A Carter appointee? What is he, in his 90s? (laughs) I'm just wondering. I mean, maybe that's why he was quiet. Well, he was probably just paying close attention. 
uh, to the arguments, which were actually very well made by all sides. I have to say I was impressed with the lawyering that uh, by everybody, the government and the challengers and the people who defended the law. Everybody gave a good accounting to themselves. So, yes, they, they did. But you can't you really can't tell what a court's going to do based on their questioning. You're not supposed to be able to make that judgment, as you know, as an experienced lawyer. Uh, but it, it is the way it sounded. And believe me, when the court sounds the other way, if you're a litigator, you don't like the way that sounds at all. And I've been on the receiving end of skeptical questioning, and I knew what it felt like. And that's not what happened this time. That doesn't mean, however, that Obamacare is going to be uh, invalidated. Because what you have to it, there's two separate issues. And this is the I, re, I already alluded to it, but this is what everybody's got to keep in mind. First issue is, is the tax theory gone, and now we have an unconstitutional mandate. On that issue, I think the challengers have a very strong argument, and I think that's what what the judges were sympathetic with. But then the second issue is, assuming you find that it's an unconstitutional mandate, does that that justify taking the rest of the law down with it? Mm -hmm. That's what Judge O'Connor at the trial judge said, yes. These judges could say no. Well, what's the argument on each side on severability? Okay. Well, the argument in favor of the argument against severability is that what your what judges if there's no clause in the in the in the statute that says whether it should be severable or not, um, uh, what judges ought to do is look to see whether the clause that's that's unconstitutional is so essential to the overall functioning of the statutory scheme that Congress would not have passed the whole scheme if they didn't get this piece in. That's, they're supposed, this is not a historical question. This is a counterfactual, hypothetical question asking what would a, a Congress, what would the Congress have done if this was declared unconstitutional? It's mind reading, basically. It's very hard to do. And the argument uh, that the, the, the challengers are making, the argument that Texas and others are making here, is that in the findings of the statute itself, in the findings of the, the, Ford, the Obamacare, they kept insisting how essential that the mandate was to the overall scheme. They said it over and over again. They explained why it was essential. And they did so because actually that was the theory by which it was going to be constitutional. Um, uh, that is one of the theories by which it was upheld, uh, that it was essential to a broader regulatory scheme. Isn't so part of the... Pro- Go on, I'm sorry. That, that's all. So basically, because it's, they said it was essential, Texas argues it can't be severed. Isn't part of the problem going to be that these activist judges will look outside of this? And they'll say, well, you know, Congress had the opportunity to abolish this statute altogether. Yes, yes. And they abolished the individual mandate, but they refused to abolish the whole thing. Right. And um, that's they these these judges asked that question as well. I mean, they they did ask that question. They have they don't they understand that argument. Um, And we'll see if that's what. Uh, what what they go by, but the law of sever the severability mark uh, is is a tricky area of law, and it's not very firm. It's very very well. That's what concerns me because let's say this thing winds up in the United States Supreme Court, which it very well could. Well, it will line. It will end up okay. there if the Fifth Circuit, if the Fifth Circuit rules for the rules challengers. And, okay, and if let's, they do, that, let's walk through there. this. Let's walk through this. So, who's the Chief Justice? I think he's John Roberts. And what did he do before? I think he found a saving construction. Okay. I think he'd be sympathetic to finding another one. Let me ask yes. you a question. And by the way, that is what the government, uh, that is what the defenders of the law argued. 
that 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 the that the Obamacare stands for the proposition. Roberts's opinion stands for the proposition that if you can find a way to uphold the law, you should find a way to uphold mm-hmm. the law. And then we have uh, Brett Kavanaugh. Remember him? I do. And remember, I raised some questions. I think you did, too, uh, on the oral argument in front of that court, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, where he raised the tax issue that Roberts kind of borrowed from him. He actually not only did that, he raised the saving construction move, too. In a footnote in that in his uh, opinion, he basically said there's a duty to save the law if you can. And there's a saving construction that could be the tax power. He he basically had the whole theory in a footnote in his uh, opinion. So I don't count five. Well, but if the tax is gone, Mark, yeah, I mean, yes, that's true. If there's a tax, if the tax is gone, then uh, look, I think the path of least resistance, if not for the Fifth Circuit, then for the Supreme Court, for Justice Roberts is to say, fine, I go by what I stand by what I said before. The individual insurance mandate was unconstitutional. It's still unconstitutional. But we I never reached the severability argument uh, issue before. And I'm reaching it now. And I'm saying it's severable. So there you go. You win, but you don't win. And that's, yep. that's how he ruled last time. That would be a very easy thing for him to do. Yep. And same with Kavanaugh. And that's what concerns me. And then, well, of course, I they... If, I, I think if John Roberts does it, there's a, Brett Kavanaugh doesn't... Judge, Justice Kavanaugh doesn't have to do it. This whole thing is a scam, Randy. I know you teach <laughs> law, and I'm a lawyer, and all the rest of it. This whole thing is pathetic. It was pathetic from day one. Scalia was right. Thomas was right. They were right. They uh, they come up with this cockamamie argument. And, and by the way, when that opinion came out, it even looked like the majority opinion was cut and pasted at the last minute. There were sentences yeah. that didn't even make sense. Uh, there were constructions that, that aren't typically found in a uh, majority opinion. I was going through it on the air, you might recall. Sentence by sentence by sentence. And what the hell is this? Well, reporting says that John Roberts originally voted to invalidate, and then he changed his mind sometime after oral argument. And when that happened, he probably had less time to write his opinion. And maybe more important than that, he didn't have any of the other justices agreeing with him. So you have the four progressive judges who didn't think what he had, what he was doing the right thing with his saving construction. Then you had the four conservative judges who didn't like. So he basically had to write that opinion by himself without benefit of of constructive, critical commentary by his fellow justices. And that's what you got. Mm-hmm. All right, Randy Barnett, we may call on you again as this continues, proceeds through the courts. I want to thank you. Anytime, Mark. You know that. All right. God bless you. He's a great guy. Great guy. Tremendous professor, too. Students at Georgetown who have him love him, and they're lucky to have him. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. fan of Brett Kavanaugh. I'm not a fan of John Roberts. It's that simple. And when Brett Kavanaugh was being discussed as a possible nominee, I rejected it. This has nothing to do with the the horrible way he was treated during the confirmation process. But I rejected it. Specifically because of what he wrote in the Obamacare case, which was effectively plagiarized by John Roberts. And uh, I think that's being borne out now. And it will be borne out again and again and again, uh, well beyond my lifetime, because he's younger than I am, I believe. 
you know, there's there's a huge difference between Clarence Thomas and Brett Kavanaugh. They both went through hellish confirmation processes. No question about it. No question about it. But Clarence Thomas, let me let me say this right now. Is one of the greatest justices in American history. His writings are brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. His fidelity to the Constitution, to the facts presented to the court, to the statutes presented to the court, is absolute. His fidelity is absolute. He is a truly remarkable and special justice. And a man of enormous fortitude and courage. Because I know, you know, and I'm sure he knows that if he were of the mindset, an activist, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, he would be celebrated throughout the American culture, throughout the American media. As it is, they dismiss him and they have contempt for him. But Clarence Thomas, in my view, is among the top 10 greatest justices in American history. I'm telling you that right now. Might even be higher. A truly remarkable, brilliant individual. Brett Kavanaugh is a garden variety, vanilla justice. Because he's way too political. And so is Roberts. And so is Roberts. Roberts came up with this Rube Goldberg-like logic in order to save this statute, Obamacare. And he's going to have to do it again. And Kavanaugh will be right there by his side. It won't matter what the Constitution says. It won't matter what the legislative history is. It won't matter what the facts are. They already know what they're going to do. That's a complete breakdown of the judicial system. Complete breakdown. Did you know a majority of Hispanic voters approve of citizenship question on the U.S. Census? Have you heard this? Jennifer Harper, another great reporter at the Washington Times, two-thirds of voters approve of a citizenship question on the 2020 Census. And that includes a majority of Hispanic voters despite claims by Democratic lawmakers that the inquiry would discourage participation in Latino communities. A Harvard University Center for American Political Studies and Harris Poll, that would be Harvard that took money from pedophile uh, Jeffrey Epstein, found that 67% support the question. 92% of Trump voters, 90% of conservatives... Uh, but a majority of Hispanics and Latinos. Uh, you won't hear that from Earl. What is his name? I'm serious. Earl, Earl Lewis of New York One, a newsman. You won't hear that. He probably thinks a majority of Hispanics must therefore be racist. Or we could turn to Carl Bernstein. Probably thinks a majority of Hispanics are just hypnotized or something's wrong with them because they don't agree with him. We We need additional... Reportage to figure out what's taking place, you know. But I thought you'd want to know that. 
And the uh, one of the great issues that the Democrats and the left and the media have been pushing for years, $15 minimum wage. Well, a $15 minimum wage, according to the left of center Congressional Budget Office, would result in the loss of 1.3 million American jobs, particularly among the poorest and least skilled Americans. 1.3 million jobs. But don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, the left stands for the little guy. Oh, yeah, they stand for the little people. It's not a problem. $15 minimum wage. Now, it doesn't matter what work you actually do. It doesn't matter whether the, the business you work for is small, a startup, medium, huge. $15 minimum wage. doesn't matter how well or poorly the company's capitalized or the small business cap. doesn't matter. $15 minimum wage. It's like you'll get everything for free. And I said to myself today, if you get everything for free, why would you work? Who's going to produce all this free stuff? Nobody. Let alone who's going to pay for it. Why would people work? Why would they produce stuff if their stuff is going to be given away for free? And you don't make anything from it. I'll be right back. It's your daily adult dosage of the Constitution. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Ever hear of a coach by the name of John Krupinski? John Krupinski, over at the Blaze, amid controversies coming from the World Cup winning U.S. women's soccer team, namely star player Megan the Clown, ignoring the national anthem during the World Cup as an F.U. to President Donald Trump and teammate Ali Long dropping an American flag between her legs and taking part in a celebratory dance after the final match, one U.S. coach isn't standing for any such disrespect. John Krupinski. John Krupinski is an assistant coach for Connecticut minor league hockey team, the Danbury Hattricks, reports The Hill. And a video of him take, talking to the team in the locker room on the first day of camp has gone viral. We're not women's soccer. We're not the NFL, Krupinski said. If there's anybody here who's going to be disrespectful to either the American or the Canadian national anthem, grab your gear and get the F out of here now because you'll never see the ice in this arena. We have the audio. Let's go to it. Go right ahead. We're not women's soccer. We're not the NFL. If there's anybody here that's going to be disrespectful to either the American or the Canadian national anthem, grab your gear and get the out now because you'll never see the ice in this arena um we don't have that problem in hockey we're better than that but there was no sense in wasting anybody's time if that was going to happen love this guy love this guy krupinski is also a sergeant with the danbury police department and is president of the connecticut state fraternal order of police love this guy in February, he spoke up after a thin blue line flag was taken down from inside the Capitol in Hartford amid concerns. It represented hate and opposition to the Black Lives Matter movement. Can you imagine? 
The problem here is people don't understand what is the true meaning of that flag, Krapinski told the station. Thin blue line was out way before Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, any of these associations. This is something that goes way back. Krapinski said the thin blue line flag represents fallen officers and survivors' families. Having had conversations, anyway, it goes on. This guy's a patriot. He's a cop, as you might expect. He's a patriot. Not running around on a soccer field under the name of the United States, under the flag of the United States, while desecrating all of it. I'm sick and tired of these punks who exploit us for their own fame and glory. Sick and tired of it. And then they're celebrated by the left and the right. Shouldn't be celebrated ever. Men and women in uniform, dodging bullets. They're the people who should be celebrated. Figures. Figures. She's, uh, she and the team are hosted by Mayor DeCamio. And they can't wait to see Pelosi and Schumer. But the President of the United States, they throw the F word around. Is that what you want your children to hear? Is that what you want your children to become? Not me. She's a clown. Here's something interesting. There's over 2 million burglaries reported every year. That's one every 13 seconds. And what's crazy is that only one in five homes have home security. Now, maybe because most companies make it very difficult to have home security. And that's why Simply Safe is transforming home security by breaking down those barriers to get you the best, most reliable, comprehensive protection available anywhere. Simply Safe protects every door, window, room with 24/7 professional monitoring. And Simply Safe has no contracts or hidden fees. The system is designed to blend right into your home. No wires, no drilling. It's easy to order, easy to set up, usually in under an hour. Plus prices are always fair and honest. Around the clock monitoring's just 15 bucks a month. Visit simplysafemark.com to get free shipping. And a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go right now. Be sure you go to simplysafemark.com so they know that I sent you. Simplysafemark.com. That's simplysafemark.com. Well, there's a little bit of breaking news, actually. And it involves the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. And what are they up to? Officials say a U.S. surveillance aircraft was over, overhead and recorded video of an incident. Five Iranian military boats unsuccessfully tried to seize a British oil tanker, the British heritage in the Persian Gulf today. U.S. officials with knowledge of the incident tell CNN. The Iranians ordered the tanker to change course and stop in nearby Iranian territorial waters. Now, the British tanker was escorted by a Royal Navy warship, which had 30 caliber guns on deck, specifically intended to hit these Iranian speedboats. And the Royal Navy said to the Iranians, why don't you get the hell out of the way? I'm paraphrasing. 
or we're going to blow your little asses right out of the water. And the Iranian boats fled, all five of them. Now, I don't know if the president's listening to this program. Maybe some of his uh, people are. Uh, But here's my view. We should do the same thing and blow them out of the water. We cannot have navigable waters threatened by this Islamo-Nazi regime that wants ICBMs with nuclear warheads to blow future generations off the face of the earth in the United States. That's all. That's all I'm saying. You know, little Israel, they go into Syria, an enemy country, where there's all kinds of terrorists that seek to destroy their country, where the Russians have a base, and when the Iranians cross a certain line or conduct themselves in a certain way, they send their military in for a quick strike, blow them off the face of the earth, and then come home. That's little Israel. Now, they're powerful, but our military is massive. Enough with this Islamo-Nazi regime. It's enough. Now, I want to also comment on another matter. I want to help out some of my conservative friends on Capitol Hill who seem confounded by our Constitution. They wave it around. And they tell us that they are the purists, that they know best what's in the Constitution, and they seem to be making the argument, these are some of my friends, by the way, that really the only way the president can order a military action is if he first goes to Congress. Is that what they said at the Constitutional Convention? Is that what they set up in the Constitution? Did they make the Speaker of the House and the President Pro Tem of the Senate the Joint Commanders-in-Chief? No. They did not. Well, Mark, there's the phrase Declaration of War in there. Well, of course there is. If you're going to have an all-out, full-scale war against another country or an enemy, you want the body politic involved in that decision. I certainly understand that. And we have declared war in a relatively few times in our history. Because it's really been a relatively few times in our history where we have declared our intention to utterly and completely destroy another country or an enemy. And that's essentially, not completely, but that's essentially what that provision is about. So if you take military action, defensive military action, as one of several examples, so you have navigable waters... Or if there is an imminent threat against a uh, United States, say, ship or platoon or what have you, the President of the United States doesn't have to get congressional approval. That would be ridiculous. What if Congress isn't around? And they often aren't. In other words... Let's pretend it's like a Thursday afternoon and Congress has already left. President's supposed to wait till next Tuesday? Well, you can call an emergency session. Well, you think the enemy's going to sit around and say, okay, we're going to wait for the president to call an emergency session of Congress and debate this issue, <coughs> excuse me, uh, the enemy says, before we're going to strike? 
No, this is absurd. And so there are circumstances, many circumstances, in which a president has to act. Far short of a full-scale war. He's the commander-in-chief. The declaration of war provision is not intended to cover every single military operation. It never was intended. It was never intended. Go ahead and Google. Research the history yourselves, ladies and gentlemen. Stop with the propagandists on TV, the propagandists on Capitol Hill. Who can be purer than the next? The truth is, I'm a constitutionalist. I follow the Constitution, and that's what the Constitution provides. That's what the Constitution provides. And so it's somewhat of a balancing act. The commander-in-chief versus the authority of Congress. But it is a balancing act. Congress doesn't have absolute authority. And without them declaring war, a president can't take military action. That's just not true. Certainly it depends on what kind of military action and the purposes of it. We've been in many military skirmishes long before this century, in the last century, and in the century before where there haven't been declarations of war. (coughs) And for the vast majority of those times, not all, the president complied with the Constitution. So it's important to understand the Constitution, to understand its context, to understand its history, to understand the intention of the framers of the Constitution. These were smart men. Smart men. They understood war. They just fought a war for eight plus years. For eight plus years. They didn't want an all-powerful president who could take a nation into a full-scale war without the other elected body being involved. But on the other hand, they wanted a commander-in-chief who would have the flexibility to take action if it was necessary to protect the country or to protect a naval outlet, or to protect whomever and whatever. In the end, it's still answerable to Congress because Congress has the appropriation power and it can cut funds off. It did in the Vietnam War, as a matter of fact. And you might point to examples in the past when there should have been a declaration of war, and I probably agree with you in most cases. But not every case. It's simply not required. So I want to help my friend Matt Getz in Florida, and he is my friend. One of my dear friends, Chip Roy from Texas. One of my dear friends, Mike Lee from Utah. I want to help my friends with the Constitution, with my decades of studying this document. In fact, decades and decades. I'm not saying they're not smart. They're brilliant, every one of them. I'm saying they need to understand the entirety of what was debated, that these men were smart, they were not ideologues, they were freedom fighters. Understand the Constitution. And no, there's no requirement that we have a declaration of war every time there's military action. There never has been, there never was, and there never will be. I'll be right back. 
Now, if you're really sharp, you'll say, but Mark, what about the authorization for the use of military force against the Iraq resolution in 2002? We took military action there. But President George W. Bush went to Congress not once but twice to get their authorization. Now, why did he do that? Because it was a protracted military action with hundreds of thousands of troops. The Folsom of the United States Air Force. A Navy. That authorization is akin to a declaration of war. If you read the Constitution, it doesn't say you have to use the phrase declaration of war says that Congress votes on a declaration of war. This was effectively a joint resolution, a declaration of war. It was all-out war against Iraq. What did I say? The president doesn't need a declaration of war or an authorization for military force of this sort. If we're defending our ships, if we're taking out certain bases, if we're, if we're taking actions far short of a protracted war, There's a difference. Got to use common sense. That's the difference. And that matters constitutionally and legally. So you don't need a declaration of war to take out five missile sites in one evening. It's quite different than sending 400,000 troops overseas. You know, people are always asking me, Mark, is the X chair really as comfortable as you say that it is? My answer is always yes. In fact, I probably don't do an adequate job describing just how great this chair feels. So take my advice. Get one to feel it for yourself. Thanks to X-Chair's 30-day, no questions asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. You have no risk. So if you're wondering if what I say is true, well, try it yourself. Once you feel the X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar support or DVL, you'll understand exactly why I love my X-Chair so much. Take advantage of X-Chair's new financing option and increase your productivity with the right model for, for you. You can get the X-Basic or X-1 through X-4. X-Chair can fit your body and your budget. X-Chair's on sale now for $100 off. Just go to xchairlevin.com. That's xchairlevin.com. Or if it's more convenient, give them a call. 1-844-4X-Chair. 1-844-4X-Chair. Go to xchairlevin.com right now and use code XWheels and you'll receive a free set of the new XWheels with your chair. Now's the time to jump in. xchairlevin.com or give them a call at 844-4-X-Chair. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, I know that many, many, many of you who are fans of this program, who are fans of my show, Life, Liberty, and Levin, who subscribe to Levin TV, I know that many of you have not yet acquired your copy of Unfreedom of the Press. I would strongly encourage you, give it a try. Get your copy. If you have a copy, get one for a family member, a friend, a colleague, for a student. It's also great summer reading. A friend of mine told me they were at Bethany Beach. They went to the local bookstore there. And while they had stacks of other books on their shelves, they only had two copies of Unfreedom of the Press left. 
I hope you'll get your copy. You can go to Amazon.com, Costco, Barnes & Noble, any major bookstore, any of the warehouse stores, and of course, if you need convenience, Amazon.com. It's seven weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. Seven weeks. At a minimum, buy it to aggravate the New York Times. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. We want to thank all the men and women on the border. We know what you're doing is an enormous task. And thank all of you, you Levinites, you patriots out there. I'm blessed to have you. See you tomorrow. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.